Mature Christians must act with consideration for less mature Christians. That is our responsibility. Or maybe you're going to call it a burden, but that's scripture. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, all over the world. Good morning. It is Monday here on Church Boy Confessions. He will direct your path. So what's there to fear again? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Church Boy Confessions podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Iheke. Woo! It is Monday. What is it? June 6th. An amazing day. It's Bible study day as well. So I hope to see you guys tonight, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. All right. You know what I'm saying? I'm so excited to see you guys' beautiful faces. Um, Well, not necessarily because no one has their camera on, but it's okay. No shade. No shade. As long as you show up, your notebook, your Bible and everything, you know, it's going to be great. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited for the conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about something very interesting, by the way, um, at Bible study. Um, We're going to be talking about the book of Leviticus, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I had recently did like a like one of my classes focused on it and I learned a lot and it's crazy because that's one of those books that uh, like a lot of us don't like to read I'm one of those people um but when you read it there's just so much to gain from it and we're gonna talk about it we're gonna you know get into it tonight um I definitely recommend this one I think it's gonna answer a lot of those like big the like theological questions that some people might have one of them being that how come God um then just forgive us. Like, why did you just have to die for our sins? How come you just, if he loved us, why couldn't he just forgive us? That's going to be answered tonight at Bible study. Um, But yeah, you know what I'm saying? I hope you guys had an amazing last week. You know what I'm saying? I had a great last week. I, I keep on saying, you know what I'm saying, but bear with me. I had a great last week. God's been good. God has really been inspiring me to have more faith. And I talked about that last week. Um, And now we're into a new week. God's good. Excuse me. If at any point in this in this episode you would like to um, give a donation to this ministry, you can go to www. Excuse me, sorry, slash donate And with that being said, we can get right to the topic of this conversation of this episode today. So look, all right, um, this episode we're going to be talking about inter-Christian relationships. I'm not talking about platonic, I'm not talking about romantic relationships necessarily, but kind of like how we Christians as a church, how we treat each other, all right? So we're going to get into that realm. Um, But before we, you know, talk about that, um, I think it's important to recognize that of course, of course, for those of us that are human beings living in this earth or living in the nations or, or societies that we live in, we're not only influenced by the church, we're also influenced by the societies that we live in. And I can attest to the fact that this current society that we live in, I think, um, and I don't know if this is global, but definitely in America, we are very much encouraged to look out for ourselves and be very self-centered. Um, I will say that this is not always a bad thing, Right. Um, obviously, no, it's a bad thing. It's important to love yourself. It's important to treat yourself correctly. Um, and I applaud those people that have, you know, gotten there. A lot of us have struggled with that growing up, struggled with that, you know, because other people have treated us wrong and we had trauma to unpack and heal from. But, you know what I'm saying? Like everything, there's going to be some extremes. Um, 
I definitely see the that extreme in America, right? We're a very individualistic society, which means that we kind of look out for ourselves a lot. Most of us are encouraged to do that. Um, and we very rarely take any accountability for the conditions other people are in, you know? Uh, whether we have part in it or not, we don't really take any accountability. We don't think that the conditions of other people are our responsibility at all. But the reality is the Bible calls us to be concerned with one another, especially as believers. The Bible calls us to carry some type of responsibility for the conditions that other people are in. Um, and this is especially true for when we're talking about how we as brothers and sisters of Christ should treat each other. So the point of this um, episode is going to be what it looks like to be accountable for each other as Christians. It's very important the way we treat each other. It's very important the way we influence each other. Um, and to hit this point on the nail, um, we're going to go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and before we go to 1 Corinthians, I'm going to give you guys a background of Corinthians. Uh, written by Apostle Paul um, around, it's, it's expected around 55 AD. Um, so within 30 years of Jesus' death. Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth that he had established during his second uh, missionary journey. Um, and when you know, like so a couple things to know about Corinth is that Corinth was a very popular city in Greece at the time. Um, it was very known, very known for like its trade, like it was like a trade epicenter, I guess. Um, and also there's a lot of pagan rituals, pagan traditions. So the church that Apostle Paul established in Corinth was very influenced. Well, this whole society in that time was very influenced by pagan traditions. Um, and there's a matter that apostle paul brought up because ultimately this letter was to you know issue some correction and admonition um and he he throughout the entire letter first corinthians apostle paul touches on multiple topics um and one of them is going to be the one that we discussed today we're going to read first corinthians chapter eight and yes we're going to read the entire chapter <laughs> apologies in advance but it, it's a very big point that's going to be made here today um, in this chapter, Apostle Paul is talking about eating meat that is sacrificed to idols. And you, right off the bat, you might say, what on earth does this topic of eating meat that's sacrificed to idols have to do with inter-Christian relationships? Um, but let me give you some background, right? Um, in Corinth at the time, there was a pagan ritual where they would sacrifice their meat to their idols to their to their gods right um now this meat sacrifice wasn't like you know they burn it like in in an offering like you see in the old testament no but it's more so that they offer the meat to their gods to their idols and then their gods are supposed to purify the meat from any type of you know demons or whatever it might be um, and then they would eat the meat, the pagans, the worshipers, the priests, they would eat the meat. They would have these feasts. Right. But then all of the leftover meat was, you know, they sold it in the marketplace in Corinth. So then you had this kind of like you had different Christian perspectives on whether Christians should buy and eat this meat or whether Christians should, um, you know, eat inside these idol temples because it was just like it was so ingrained in society to eat meat in the idol temples as well. So there were some Christians that were saying that, hey, you know, you should have no part in that. Other Christians were saying that, hey, I'm just eating this meat because I'm hungry. It's accessible. Like I'm not eating it because I'm honoring an idol. I'm eating it because it's meat. So you had some people who had different ideas. And Apostle Paul ultimately wants to address this topic in First Corinthians chapter eight. 
So I'm going to read the entire chapter and then I'm going to like break, you know, highlight the points that really um, expose his point, his main argument. And we'll go from there. All right. So first Corinthians chapter eight, starting at verse one. Now about sacrificed, I'm sorry, about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, in quotation marks, and many lords, in quotation marks, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through all and through whom we lived. Right. So I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to continue. So basically what Apostle Paul is saying is that we know, right, many of us Christians know that if we're going to be eating this food, we're not eating it in a way to honor idols. Idols are there's only one true God. Right. So we're not eating it to honor any other God. We're eating it because, you know, we're just eating some meat and we even thank God when we when we get this meat, right? When we pray for our food and whatnot. Um, so but let's continue to verse seven, what he says. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Or in other words, not everyone has this mindset. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Verse eight. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat or no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights, your rights to eat pretty much whatever you want, does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Verse 10. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin, sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. May God bless and bless the hearing, reading and understanding of his word. In Jesus name. Amen. A lot to unpack in this chapter. All right. So what's Paul saying? And I'm going to try to summarize his all of his points. Um, the first thing that Paul is really trying to establish is that eating food in this in this, you know, in this Corinthian, um, in this Corinthian society, <clears throat> eating food that's sacrificed to idols in and of itself is not wrong. We have the right to eat whatever that we want. We're not eating these foods in order to honor these idols. People are eating the meat because it's meat and we eat meat when we're hungry and we buy the meat when it's accessible. This in and of itself is not wrong. However, some people don't operate with the same knowledge that we operate with. Some people, there are some Christians, especially in Corinth at the time, that didn't see it that way. There are some Christians that didn't have that knowledge or have that mindset. And there are some people that had a weaker conscience. And I think a, a good way to, to, 
to communicate what what Paul means by a weaker conscience is think of the, the Christian that's less mature, right? There are some Christians that are less mature that when they see Christians eating the meat that has been sacrificed to idols, they're not going to think of it as just it's eating meat. They're going to think of it as they're going to be emboldened, as it says in verse 10, they're going to be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols, implying that them eating the sacrificed idols would be in an idolatrous and sinful manner. So we who are operating with this knowledge need to also make sure that we operate with love. And that's pretty much what the verse, first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is saying. That, but whoever loves God is known by God, right? The reason why he said that is because the love we have for each other should make us to ultimately not eat that meat. Because if what we are doing is being a stumbling block to the Christian that's next to us, that's less mature, then that's an issue. So although we have the knowledge that there's nothing wrong with it, because we love our brother, our sister in Christ, who is less mature, we're not going to do that thing. And he concludes in verse 13. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. So what Apostle Paul really uncovers is that the less mature Christians are influenced by more mature Christians. Christians actions right so ultimately the accountability falls on Christians that will consider themselves more mature not just consider yourself of course the there's accountability there's responsibility that more mature Christians have to less mature Christians verse 12 and verse 13 says when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience you sin against Christ therefore if what i eat causes my brother or sisters to fall into sin i will never eat meat again so that i will not cause them to fall not because eating the meat is bad itself but because eating the meat can be a bad influence to another christian that's less mature and it can cause them to fall they will perceive it different than how you perceive it being a bad influence to a less mature Christian is a sin. Mature Christians must act with consideration for less mature Christians. That is our responsibility. Or maybe you're going to call it a burden, but that's scripture. And ultimately, the behavior that we have, that, that we conduct ourselves with, should be informed by our love for one another. As Christians, there are some things that we should not do. And it's not because doing those things in and of itself is wrong, but because we are aware of the fact that it can be a stumbling block to Christians that are less mature or Christians that are dealing with a certain type of sin, struggling with a certain type of sin. That's scripture. And verse uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it also touches on this topic a little bit. And, you know, Apostle Paul talks about things that are lawful, but are not always expedient. Right. Think about drinking alcohol, drinking alcohol in and of itself is not a sin. We know that. But getting drunk is a sin. But I tell you this, there are some times where another Christian who's weaker in their flesh, I mean, that, that, that you know, is, is weaker in their conscience or less mature, maybe they're new to the faith, they see you drinking alcohol 
And they're going to think that getting drunk and partying is still is still an okay thing. You might be listening to secular music that isn't profane, right? Technically, that's happy birthday is secular music, but it's not profane, right? That's that's the key part. But then there's going to be somebody else that, you know, might say, oh, it's okay for me to listen to anything, right? A lot of this conversation you see when we're talking about clothing and modesty, right? A lot of us, we want to wear skin-tight gym clothes to the gym, right? You know what I'm saying? And in and of itself, it's not wrong. Drinking alcohol in and of itself is not wrong. Listening to secular music that isn't profane in and of itself is not wrong. You know, wearing what you want to wear, wearing a bathing suit or walking around with your shirt off in and of itself might not be wrong. But is it expedient? Sometimes it can be utilitarian, right? But as Christians, we have to be cognizant of our behavior. We have to be cognizant of what we do. We have to be cognizant of what we eat. We have to be cognizant of what we wear. We have to be cognizant of our behavior because the reality is, especially for us Christians that are more mature in our faith, our behavior influences Christians that are less mature in their faith. And according to scripture, we hold some accountability for how we influence our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't want to be a stumbling block to them because we love them. I'll give you a perfect example, man. When I go to brunch, I want a mimosa. I like mimosas. And I love brunch, by the way, but that's that's besides the point. But the reality is, if I'm eating brunch with a brother in Christ who I know has problems with alcohol, then guess what? I'm not ordering the mimosa. Right? In a perfect world, I like to work out with my shirt off, especially in the gym. I like to work out my shirt shirt off. But if I know that my sister in Christ, maybe even brother in Christ, is dealing with lust and that's a sin that they struggle with, then I'm keeping my shirt on. I like to listen to secular music that isn't profane. Yes, that music exists. In and of itself, it might not be wrong. But if I have a brother or sister in Christ that's in the car with me, and now they're thinking, the way they see it is, oh, he, he's listening to secular music. He's listening to music besides Kurt Franklin. That means that I can listen to whatever secular profane music that I want to listen to. It doesn't matter because it's just music. And in that case, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn off Coldplay, and I'm going to turn on Mercy Chinwo. <laughs> because we as Christians hold some accountability and how we influence other Christians. And we do this out of love. If I know that something I'm doing is going to influence my brother or my sister in Christ to sin, then I need to act accordingly. And I know that that's very uncomfortable for some people, but it's a fact. I know I know we have this idea of, you know, it's you do what you want to do. Right. It's you and God. It's just about you and God. And it is about you and God. And that's why Apostle Apostle Paul says that if you are sinning against your your brother and making them to fall or your sister and making them to fall, then you are sinning against Christ. So it can still be about you and God, but you also have to understand that when you are poorly influencing your brother or sister in Christ, you are sinning against God. And we have to do better. 
we have to look out for each other we have to really this literally comes from a place of love for one another there are certain things that i'm not going to do because i know it's going to look a certain way to the next christian even though it might not be that way it's going to look a certain way to that person and i don't want that person to think that it's okay the way they see it it's real that's not the same thing as always caring about what people think no 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 like I said, the mindset here is to come from a position of love. I don't want this person to be influenced incorrectly. I know how this person is thinking, and this person is not thinking the same way I am. So because that is my brother or that is my sister in Christ, I'm not going to I'm going to refrain from doing the thing that I like. Just like Apostle Paul said, I will never eat meat again if it means that it will cause my brother or my sister to fall. But of course, whenever we talk about this conversation, I have to, I have to also acknowledge the disrespect. Because when we talk about stumbling block, stumbling block, stumbling block, that entire topic is surrounded, you know, by just a lot of toxic behavior. And it's a reality. And we can be real because we're children of God, right? Let's be real. Some of us, you know what I'm saying, we correct each other for being stumbling blocks. And I think that this conversation is most mostly seen or at least mostly talked about when it comes to women and what they're wearing. Right. And there's people that will correct women on you need to be modest or, you know, what I'm saying like stop being a stumbling block. And although there's absolutely, as we just read, we ought to, you know, being a stumbling block to other people is a real thing and we have to be cognizant of that thing of that stuff we also have to be cognizant of how we are correcting each other and talking to each other that's very very important we have to be very very attentive to that and i, and I looked at this website gotquestions.org i really like this website and i pulled some tips from what from um what it was talking about when we're talking about how we should we as christians should correct each other when you're correcting someone whether it's about something, you know, they did that was wrong, excuse me, them being a bad influence to other people, them being a stumbling block to other people. First thing you need to do is check your intentions. What is your intention here? Because your intention should be to help them come to a place of repentance and restoration. Help them understand what it is that God wants them to do and so on. But there's some of us that we have to be honest with ourselves Maybe the reason why you're correcting that person, are you sure that it's not because you want to just make it seem like you're holier than that person? Make sure that your intention is not to be morally superior or not to appear morally superior, but is genuinely because you love this person, you recognize that what they're doing is wrong. And you, you being a believer that you are, recognize that the scripture is also there for correction. So we correct each other. And the second thing is also is that when we're speaking truth to each other and helping each other understand the error of our ways, we also have to make sure we're doing so with love. Because I'll tell you right now, if you really care about this person coming to repentance, you really care about this person seeing it the way you see it, aligning themselves with the word of God on this topic, then you're going to have to package the word of God that you're, you, that you're talking about with love. Otherwise, nine times out of ten from the experiences that i've had or what i've seen or what i've heard is going to go in one ear and out the other because people don't like being talked down to and that's a fact so if you care 
about them retaining the information that you're giving them, you're going to package what you're saying in love. You're going to be very careful with the words that you choose. Furthermore, you're going to be very gentle, gentle with their feelings. And on top of that, in Matthew 18, we see that um, I believe it's 18. Yes. Matthew 18. We see that, you know, I believe it's Jesus that's talking about, you know, how we should go about um, dealing with when one of our brothers or sisters in Christ sin against us. And the first thing that Jesus said that we ought to do is to have that one-on-one conversation. And although that, you know, that context isn't specifically what I'm talking about, I think that the principle of having one-on-one conversations is so important and it's something that we really need to adopt in the way we correct each other as Christians. If you're if you're correcting somebody for the first time, if you are trying to correct somebody on their behavior or maybe being a stumbling block or whatever it might have been for the first time, you need to make sure you're doing that stuff one on one. Stop calling people out publicly. That's weird. That's not cool. If you care about them coming to repentance, if you care about them being restored, if you care about them actually being able to comprehend and capture what you're saying you have to acknowledge that you calling that person out publicly automatically is going to attack them as a person is going to attack their ego is going to attack their pride and sometimes i don't want to say ego and pride it attacks their dignity now it's like you're attacking their dignity and the reality is when somebody's attacking my dignity it serves as a major distraction to whatever it is that they're trying to say to me And we know that we know this. And that person could be absolutely right. Who's correcting you on that thing. But since they tried to say it in such a way that's so harmful and weird and toxic and public, you're not matter of fact, you're probably going to double down on the thing that they're telling you not to do. How we treat each other as believers is very important. And I'm going to tell you why it's very important before I close. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Ladies and gentlemen, the way... We as believers, we as Christians show love to each other is how the rest of the world will know that those people belong to the Father. Those people belong to Yahweh. That's what Jesus said. It's funny because in that way, you kind of see Christian on Christian support and Christian on Christian love as a form of evangelism. It's so important for us to show that love for each other. I want Christians worldwide to be that group of people, that that church, that community of people, that other people, the first thing they notice about us is the love we have for each other. That's how people are going to know that we belong to Yahweh. But some of us, you know, we have these issues with each other and we don't address them. And some of us, we're stumbling blocks to each other. We're not cognizant of how we're influencing each other and, and so on. But if we come from a position of love, genuine love for one another, we're going to know how to speak to each other. We're going to know how to influence each other in right ways. There's going to be a change in our behavior. And that's so important, ladies and gentlemen. That's so important. 
Like, what's a way, and, and maybe this is a challenge, what more can you be doing for your Christian community? I mean that. What more can you be doing? There's some of us that haven't been back to church, and it's like literally, because, and you say because of COVID or what? And don't tell me it's live. I understand it's it's live on YouTube. I understand it's live on Facebook. But that love, in, in your romantic relationship, are you just going to be on FaceTime all the time or are you going to come in person, right? Why do you come in person? Because that's when you can really show love for each other and you can really show that affection. And the same thing with church. If you want to show love and affection to other believers, I don't need you to just be on Facebook Live or YouTube Live. Go to church and show love. Be around other believers. Let the fruits of the spirit be most evident when we are in church and we are together, man. So go, go to be with community. That, I know that's a side note, but I mean it, bro. You've been to the club since the pandemic. You've been to, uh, what's the other one? To, to a birthday party since the pandemic. You've been to almost everything since the pandemic except church. Go back to church. It's time. Forget about all technological advancement. The YouTube live, and this is my opinion, all right? I understand that people have different opinions, but, like, YouTube live, Facebook live, maybe it's not my opinion. YouTube live, Facebook live, that's not the same thing. It's not. We know it's not. Go back to church. But anyways, <laughs> I challenge you. I challenge you to do more. Be more cognizant of your behavior and your and the way you influence other people. If you're going to correct somebody, make sure you correct them gently and with love and in private the first time and with just care. Um, there's more that we can be doing. There's more than I can be doing. Take out that time to talk to your brother and sister in Christ. Not just Don't just talk to them when you need something. Go ahead and check up on them. How is their faith? There's some of us that are suffering. I tell you. And the reason why we've been suffering through what we've been suffering through so long is because we haven't even had a conversation with another believer. Go and reach out to your friend. They probably need you, but they don't know how to reach out. Some people, they've had experiences where they reached out to people that didn't end well. So then you take the initiative. You say you love them, take the initiative. Go check up on them. Stop waiting for everybody to check up on you because of, of what, pride? Check up on your friend. You say you love them. Show love. Show love, yo. We need it. You need it. And people remember that, bro. Those random calls that you just say, not because you want nothing, because, hey, I love you. I just want to say I love you. And I I'm thinking about you. Like, what can I pray for you? That's love. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's love. And people remember that. Even people who, don't, who are not believers, they remember that. But, yeah, shoot. Man, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this message. And I just pray that it, it really inspires us to do more, to show love to one another, God. We need to show love. We need to show love. Help us to show love, God. Help us to influence each other and be responsible and, and accountable for the ways that we influence each other, oh God. Help us to be cognizant of these things. Help us not to just act like we we're not our brothers keepers or our sisters keepers no let's let, help us to care for each other genuinely care for when each other are suffering when we're grieving when we're backsliding god and, and help to restore each other and call each other to repentance lord 
Help us to love each other and the love that we have for each other be the evidence that we belong to you. And other people will even want to join in and say, wow, look at this love. I want to be a part of this community. Wow, how come you guys love each other so much? And then we can say, because of Jesus Christ. And they'll ask, who is this Jesus? And when they find that, I find that out, Father, they will come to know you, almighty God. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Have mercy on us for the ways that we have messed up in this area. And we thank you so much for your grace. Oh, that we can get back up. We can get back in line. Thank you, Jesus. Help us even to forgive each other. Because there's some of us that have offended others, right? Maybe if it's, it's if these, uh, ooh, even if it's leadership, maybe leadership in the church offended us. Help us to forgive, God. Maybe we've offended other people. Maybe we've offended leadership. Help us to forgive, God. Help us to be able to work this stuff out, God. So we love each other and other people will know that we are your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. I love you guys. I hope you guys have an amazing week. I'll see you guys at Bible study um, tonight, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, talking about the uh, the book of Leviticus. If you can't make it, we have uh, PDF slides that we can send to you. Just send us your email. Or if you signed up, you automatically get the PDF slides. So, yeah, um, sign up sign up link is still open until around what like four or something like that and yeah like and subscribe send this to somebody that you know definitely needs this message i appreciate it. i love you guys peace